I've looked in the mirror every morning and asked myself, if today were the last day of my life, would I want to do what I am about to do today? And whenever the answer has been no for too many days in a row, I know I need to change something. Remembering that I'll be dead soon is the most important tool I've ever encountered to help me make the big choices in life. Because almost everything, all external expectations, all pride, all fear of embarrassment or failure, these things just fall away in the face of death, leaving only what is truly important. Remembering that you are going to die is the best way I know to avoid the trap of thinking you have something to lose. You are already naked. There is no reason not to follow your heart. Got Mia here. Um, she's a medical doctor. Has been in the Navy. Um, is in CrossFit. Is really good. Um, anyways, so how do you? How did you get started in CrossFit? Um, yeah. So it was my second year of medical school, and I went to USIS, which is an acronym um, that stands for Uniform Services University of the Health Sciences. It's actually just the military medical school, um, mm. but I was in my second year and they really promote that we be general medical officers after our internship or after our first year of residency. Mm-hmm. And one option you can do or try to do is to go to dive school. Um, so part of the physical fitness test to, to go is you have to be able to do six pull-ups. So, uh, I did gymnastics growing up for a couple of years. So I knew that I could do it. I just had to get that upper body strength back. And, um, I was just looking for ways to, to get those pull-ups back and CrossFit was coming on the scene. And, um, so I actually, yeah, I started, in preparation to go to dive school, like kind of way ahead, like mm-hmm. a couple of years ahead. But, um, after a couple of workouts, I was just totally hooked. And yeah. yeah, no, like I was looking at a lot of your posts and you really fell in love with like the competitive aspect of uh, CrossFit. And obviously, um, you know, uh, obviously that was going to help, you know, with your, um, you know, getting ready for the military and diving school and whatnot. Mm hmm. Um, yeah, and I, I found that um, while it was very helpful for dive school, it wasn't, like, specific enough. Um, it, I mean, it definitely helped, and I definitely, like, tell people who are trying to go to kind of those specialty schools to consider um, doing CrossFit just because it, it really pushes your mental strength. Mm-hmm. Um, which is really important for those schools too. But in terms of like specific skills, like water proficiency, mm-hmm. <laughs> I should I should have just gotten in the pool earlier. But um, overall, you know, I'm I'm really happy that I I found CrossFit when I did. I think like I'm like most people who 
are like, man, I wish I found it back in 2008 or whatever. <laughs> yeah. Well, you picked it up really quick and it seems like you've, I mean, just from what I've seen, I mean, you seem to have picked up the sport really fast. So did yeah. you like get into it more like, um, to just get generally like physically prepared for, you know, all the physical training that you had to in terms of requirements for, um, diving school or is that what prompted you to do it? And then you start doing, it and you're like, man, I love this. Maybe I'm going to keep with it sort of type deal. Yeah. It, it prompted me for sure. But I did notice when I started medical school, um, I was not working out at all. I was studying eight to 10 hours a day. I would just bring all my food to the library and sit in a cubicle for <laughs> For hours, like literally, I would, and I was horrible. I was eating like ramen, diet coke, some almonds. <laughs> oh man! And um, I it it was just a point where I realized like I need to find something like that I enjoy that's not school related. And so it like dive school definitely prompted me, but once I found it, it was just so nice to like have a class to do. And I didn't really get competitive until probably two or three years down the road really so um for most of medical school I was just jumping around to different gyms because my clinical rotations were all over the that's US. awesome yeah yeah no I was gonna ask you so like what what gyms have you been to like I mean can you even name them all can you even remember them all all the yeah, different I, places that you visited I think I can um so I started out actually in doing my pediatrics rotation at Nellis Air Force Base, which is in Las Vegas. Wow. And um, Zach Forrest Gym used to be out there. I think it's closed now, but it's CrossFit Max Effort. And um, that was a really great gym. And then I did family medicine in Jacksonville, Florida. And that was – the gym I went there had, like, one of those numbers. It was, like, CrossFit, like, 192-something. Yeah. Um. No, they have all these different numbers for like all their different states and, and whatnot. Like there's a place here. Like, so I'm from Maine and um, yeah. they have a, a CrossFit. It's like three, two, one, like one, two, three. Like it almost sounds so funny. Right. Like it's all jumbled. Um, and then my medical school was in Bethesda, Maryland, which is in like around Washington, D.C. So I started out at a gym called CrossFit Done Right. And that's closed now. But um my other friend, he opened CrossFit Hard, uh, which is in Bethesda, still there. Um, and then a lot of my rotations, I try to get out in San Diego, California, um, just because that's. You're where just I super went. attracted, out, super attracted to the area out there. Or? Yeah, yeah, like all my college friends from ROTC, they were all there, in because they were all in the Navy. Um, as well so I always try to get rotation out in San Diego and so I started out at State Classy CrossFit which is still there and then I eventually moved over to CrossFit Invictus mm -hmm. um, and that's where I really caught kind of the bug because they had a, a really good competition class and it, it was a bit longer than like a normal hour-long class mm -hmm. but did they have a lot of elite level athletes in there that you would kind of like, they would be in there during the workouts or whatever. And you'd kind of, um, be like, Hey, I want, I want to join those uh, group of folks over there, you know? Yeah. There were so many people who wanted to compete at Invictus that like 
you definitely had the elite athletes like Lauren Fisher um, and Rasmus. Like they would usually, I mean, they had kind of the best schedule. So like I wouldn't really see them honestly that often because they'd come in the middle of the day. Yep. But the competition class would always be filled with people and they had so at the time, CrossFit Invictus had three locations. So um, I would go kind of in the evenings um, for like an hour. I think our, our classes were like two hours. Um, but eventually they like narrowed it down to two locations. And then I'd go to the downtown one. And yeah, sometimes like as you progressed and like as you competed more, like there were just more opportunities to work out with those elite athletes or the team, um, or di- yeah, different teams that you might be doing competitions with. But that gym is just such a hotbed and like it just attracts really competitive people. So, mm-hmm. um, yeah, that's where I got like kind of, I guess I, you would say obsessed. <laughs> love it. I love it. And just kind of like backpedaling here, you mentioned your undergraduate degree and I was doing some research so you went to Boston College yeah no way are you from New England I'm actually not I'm from Colorado um from Aurora but my sister was in New York City and I kind of just wanted to really get out of Colorado which is kind of odd now because I'm like Colorado's really blown up and it's yeah so cool um I want to go out there I want to leave New England yeah, exactly. Like now everyone's moving to Denver and Boulder, and it is beautiful. But over the past ten years, it's been crazy to see the growth. Um, but that, like, Colorado is just filled with like really outdoorsy people. Um, so yeah, it's it's kind of weird. I didn't really stay close to home. I I wanted to get to a bigger city, and and Boston was perfect because it it's, has so many colleges and schools that it's just filled with students mm-hmm. um, so yeah I I was looking for scholarships and I came across uh, the Navy and just talked to a recruiter and you know of course they they'll stay they'll stay on you um, mm-hmm. to convince you to join so I ended up doing the ROTC or Reserve Officer Training Corps program to help pay for school, um, and I, and it was honestly a really great decision. My dad did the Air Force ROTC program, so he wow. was familiar with it. Yeah, and he, you know, parents like if you come to them with ways to pay for college, they're pretty excited. Yeah. Um, so um, he was like yeah, go for it. Like, and I, I wanted to be realistic. I, I obviously, I wanted to go to medical school even in high school, but it's so, it, it was competitive. It's still so competitive. It's getting more competitive. Yeah. Um, but I, my dad, he, he told me, you know, if you don't get into medical school, becoming an officer is a really great, like first job. Like you get all these leadership opportunities. It's, just really great to transfer out into like the real world so it was kind of my backup plan and then it um I went to school being like I want to go to medical school and the the program was like well we don't really make doctors or dentists or what they call um 
the restrict restricted line officers, they make unrestricted line officers. So they make people who uh, like junior officers who are pilots or who are on submarines or who cool. drive ships. Yeah. So, um, I was, yeah, I was like pretty nervous that the Navy wasn't going to let me go to medical school, even if I made it. And even though the Navy needs doctors, it doesn't necessarily mean that they're going to let you do that. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's a bit of a gamble, but it worked out. That's awesome. And I see like you're all these things. I mean, you're a crazy competitive CrossFit athlete, like super elite in that sense. Um, you're an undersea medical officer, a diver, mm-hmm. uh, mm-hmm. I mean, you're a medical doctor. How do you balance all that schedule? Uh, yeah, just how do you, what do you typically do day in and day out? Like, how do you balance all of that? Yeah, um, I feel like things really went in phases. Like, mm-hmm. like in medical school, you know, I was taking CrossFit classes, but I wasn't really putting in the time in, in CrossFit. I was really trying to get through my board exams and making sure that I pass everything. But then like when I had easier rotations and by easier, I mean um, more nine to five like rotations (laughs) instead of night shift and uh, 12 to 16 hour day shift. um, I would, I would really just focus on CrossFit. Like I just loved it so much and it was, it was so easy to like make friends, even though I was moving all the time that it kind of naturally, like if I wasn't studying or at work, then I would probably be at the gym or like hanging out with people from the gym. So it kind of, it was really one of those two things. And then once I was done with internship, I, I had to take time off from CrossFit to get ready for dive school. Mm-hmm. So I, you know, luckily it was like I had training and time where we had dedicated days just to being in the pool and um, doing these physical fitness tests. So, but at the same time, like CrossFit, like that was 2017 and I, I couldn't really compete that year. Like I had to, I could, 2016, I went to regionals with Invictus on their like B team mm-hmm. and then 2017 I it was really hard just because I I was doing something I I didn't like because I wasn't good at it I mean I was like in the pool yeah um, but I would still try and crossfit and try to like keep my strength um so I think just because crossfit like it is such a daily thing I, I pretty much work out almost every day and then everything else is kind of like, you know, I, I work on things like in phases, I feel like, but CrossFit's pretty, pretty, um, pretty steady. Yeah, for sure. So what, so what have you done as a diver? Like, am I allowed to ask that question? Are you allowed to talk yeah. about that or, or like, yeah. where have you been? Have you done it yet as a job? You've trained for it and everything. Like what does, yeah. what does a diver do? Exactly. I mean, I'm sure yeah. I could look up the job description, but. Right. So, um, it's, it is kind of interesting because like an undersea medical officer is a, we're a combination of doctor and diver. So we know how to dive. Um, Most of the diving I did was in dive school down in Panama city, Florida. And that was 
two or three months long. Um, so we dove all types of rigs. We mainly did scuba. Um, and, and that's after you get through like your tests in a way, like all these job sheets to make sure that you're a safe diver. Um, then you kind of do the more fun diving. So, uh, you, you do a lot of scuba, um, and then we do something called surface supply where, um, you have like a Kirby helmet on. It kind of looks like an astronaut helmet. Actually. Yeah. I've seen those things. Yeah. They still, like they still make you wear those. Yeah. They're, I <laughs> mean, they're not like super heavy, like the old ones. I mean, they're uh -huh. pretty heavy though. Like you are, you're encased in it. Like you can't just like rip it off your head. Like, it's just, well, it's just because of the pressure underwater, right? Like that has to be, it has to be hard, right? I mean, it has to yeah. be able to withstand the pressure if you're going deep. Yep. Yep. And, um, so that was probably the coolest part. Um, and then you have this umbilical line where your air is coming from, from a ship. Um, so, and then you're with one other, your dive buddy, one other person, and you have like these weighted shoes on. So everything's kind of like clunky and you don't have any peripheral vision because you're in this like helmet with this like neck dam. Um, and then we also dove like, uh, I think it was the Mark 20, which is like more of a face mask type of, um, rig where it's like clear but it's kind of like suctioned onto your face and you have a little uh microphone where you can talk to top side or um you know the people who are like watching over the the dive supervisor basically and then mm -hmm. you can try and talk to your dive buddy too um, and we would dive a lot just like in florida around the school mm -hmm. the, around the schoolhouse but um like most things, like the training is kind of the cool part. And mm -hmm. then my actual job is a lot more administrative. Mm -hmm. So um, the whole purpose of these like kind of specialty doctors in the Navy mm -hmm. is actually to do specialty physicals. So um, I'll, so like we just need to do physicals on divers, submariners and special operators. And they just have to be in very pristine condition. So every couple of years they have to get like a full, full in-depth physical. And we just make sure that they're all good to go. And if they need waivers, um, that the Navy knows about it. Um, but in the aviation community, it's like the same thing. Um, they have flight surgeons that are doctors, but they went to flight school too, and they know how to fly. And then they do physicals on the aviators and the NFOs. Um, so, yeah, it's – and then, I mean, so right now I'm stationed in Groton, Connecticut, which is where, um, like, the largest submarine base is. Oh, okay. Yeah. Yeah. So um, I have a little bit of clinic, but I oversee the medical department for a high-risk trainer – for submarine escape um it's very wow. niche. <laughs> yeah so that's really cool though yeah so and then i'm there in case there's any diving injuries um for the regular divers who are working on the boats and then um for the submarine students who are learning how to do submarine escape mm -hmm. so it gets yeah like pretty specific <laughs> yeah yeah so like when did you realize that you know 
um, CrossFit was something that you could do big time. And it's like, is your, is like your time perfectly split between, you know, doing CrossFit and your career as an undersea medical officer or. Yeah. Um, so, I mean, I picked to go to become an undersea medical officer because I knew that community valued working out. Um, I wanted to be part of the military that like carved out time in their day to go do something physically fit. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I just naturally gravitated towards that so that I could have a pretty, I could have time, like ample time to, to do, to work out at least once a day. Um, so yeah, like, yeah, it's, yeah, that's kind of why I became an, like a UMO versus going straight through residency, like to be a cardiologist or Mm -hmm. an anesthesiologist, um, which I could still do after this. Um, however, like I just knew that, you know, you can be a doctor your whole life forever, but you can really only competitively CrossFit like at a certain level for so long. And, Mm. um, I, you know, I went straight from school to school to school. So, um, my twenties were all just school. (laughs) Yeah. Jeez. So, so when did you realize, um, that, you know, or when did you think or realize that, you know, know, okay, I'm going to be able to be really good at CrossFit. Like, what was it? Was there like a certain moment when you're like, okay, man, I'm pretty good at this. No, no, um, yeah. no, I think like it, it was probably intern year, mm-hmm. which is like your biz, one of your busiest years. I knew that I wanted to compete like it just like every day. It was kind of like, I just want to get better at this. I want to just keep working on things. Mm-hmm. And I don't think I had a very, I, my goal back then was to compete in San Diego because with the military, I didn't know where I was going to be sent next. Yeah. So I was like, I kind of only have a year or two years maybe to kind of prove myself or like get good enough. Um, but like when I was starting, Julie Fouché was really um, like, that's when she was at, like the peak of her competition and mm-hmm. um oddly enough like we were kind of on the same track in terms of years and then mm-hmm. she took off a year from the games to take step one um which is our first board exam and like back then like I was not good at all like I was still doing class mm-hmm. and um but she was she was a really big role model for me because I was like well she's doing it and, you know, she's going to be a doctor and somehow she's balancing it. But she, you know, as a civilian had way more um, leverage with her time. Like she could take research years and research years, like you're still furthering your career. You're still like doing research, but you don't have the, the rigid clinical like schedule that I had. Like I, I could never just like be like hey navy like i want to take <laughs> this year like like I, I have to like go where they tell me like i have to do intern year a certain year like i have to pass my board exams like you know un- unless like i it unless you know i was okay with like um 
kind of really hurting my career, then I, I couldn't, I couldn't like take time off or, or take a year. Yeah. Yeah. No, that's going to be, that's going to be hard. So, I mean, you've had, you know, waves of training where you've kind of had to kind of back off a little bit, but then you're able to do it again, sort of, mm -hmm. but, but that's the beauty of like training. I mean, you, sometimes you give yourself a break and, um, I mean, it gets, you know, prepares you to train over, you know, a long period of time without really much injury. Have you had much experience with injury really like yourself? Um, yeah. Yeah. I've definitely had like the, a lot of overuse injuries. I've thrown out my back. Like I used to throw it out a lot worse, but mm -hmm. or, like a lot more. Yeah. Um, what does that feel I, like? Uh, well, I mean like I've done it myself too. So that's why I'm asking. Yeah. Cause I'm kind of curious. Cause I'm like, I'm kind of curious, like how it felt for you. Like it's felt different for me, but I want to hear how yours felt. Yeah. So, I mean, for me, I think mine, I've never gotten an MRI on my back actually. Me neither. Um, I don't want to know. Yeah. Like I'm <laughs> sure there's some herniation in there, but, um, I, the first time I did it, that was really bad. I, I was still kind of just doing class and I remember I was so stubborn cause I could snatch like a yep. hundred pounds mm -hmm. and I was, yep. and I, I wouldn't squat snatch. Like I would just like muscle it or power it and like I don't know what the hell I was doing but <laughs> I, I remember like it didn't really hurt in the moment but then you know after it just like like seizes up and mm -hmm. it just gets worse and worse like overnight and then the next day like you can't touch your toes or put your yep. socks on yep I know that um, I know that feeling I still feel like I can't do that like on a regular basis there are times where it gets you know, it's not as bad, but I mean, if you're training all the time, your body is always sore. So it's yep. like you always like you're I feel like you're not always going to have your full 100 percent range of motion. And I'm like getting up from the table. I'm like pushing my hands from the table. My mom's like, you know, like, why, Walter? Why can't why do you need that so much help? Like getting up from the table? It's like you don't understand. Right. <laughs> like, right. You're like, I'm not sure if I'm just sore if or, or if like am I, I actually injured. Yeah. <laughs> right. Right. 100 um, percent. So I've done that a couple times, um, but I think like it's just been really helpful, like from the medicine aspect to when I meet like physical therapists or something. I just know I'm like, all right, what do what exercises like should I tell my patients? But then like in reality too, like I can use that for myself and try it out for myself, mm -hmm. and and then I can go to my patients and be like. Hey, you know, I've thrown out my back multiple times and really kind of like empathize with them and be like, yeah, I know what it feels like, but right. I swear to God, like try this and do this and see what it does for you. Yeah. So like that, like I've definitely thrown my back a couple times and then, um, I did have a very bad, um, herniation in my neck between i think it was c5 and c6 i can't I've, i can't say i've ever had anything like that but i've heard people talk about it like what's that what would you say is worse like a neck or like a low back i'd say neck yeah um because i think i mean your neck is like i mean it's like, <laughs> so it's yeah. like your neck right like, uh, your brain's so, attached to it right like i <laughs> I just, it was actually during my intern year in San Diego, and that was the year I was really trying to, to compete. Um, I just went into class one day, and we were doing, like, push press, I think, and my right arm just would give out. Like, there was a 40-pound difference between wow. what I 
yeah, yeah, with like what I could do with my left arm and my right arm. And oh. I had no pain anywhere. Like I was like, did I like throw out my shoulder? Like did I like what did I do? And for a couple of weeks I like tried to rest. And I was like, I just don't like I'm like, I have no pain anywhere. I don't feel like this is like a rest type of thing. And then I was at work and there's a neurologist, um, like my attending, I asked him if he could evaluate me um, and do like a really good strength exam on me because to my fellow interns, like mm-hmm. where we have, we don't have the specialized neurology training, like to the air when they did a strength exam on me, like they're like, Oh, you're fine. And I'm like, I'm like, I, I'm like, I know to you, like, I feel fine. But like when I pick up a weight or like I, I compare weights on different sides, like mm-hmm. it's not the same. <laughs> like, yeah. Um, so then the neurologist, when he was evaluating me, he kind of pushed on my head and he was like, is that uncomfortable? And I was like, I get, and it, it was really interesting because the word uncomfortable, mm-hmm. um, was very specific because if he said does that cause you pain i would have said no yeah exactly but he said does that cause like discomfort and i was like yeah i guess it kind of does he's like okay so he mri'd my brachial plexus which is like the nerve bundle Mm -hmm. um that goes down that controls like your arm movements but then Mm -hmm. he also mri'd my neck and i was again working and um Mm -hmm. i could see my own mri results and um you could see my um the disc just was herniating into my spinal cord and the radiologists like they don't work on the weekends for non-urgent images like that so there wasn't like a, a official read but like to me I could see it like I, it wasn't like a little thing it was like huge and um I got really scared because I didn't because at that point, my right arm was starting to get smaller, like, or atrophy. So the, the muscles were pretty much like being, like, the neuromuscular junction was being cut off. So the, the muscles weren't, like, feeling any of the, the like, nerves going <laughs> down to it. Jesus. So um, I was just scared because at that point, like, when I did a pull-up, like, it was asymmetric, like, Mm-hmm. It was like I was only my left side would pull. So yeah. I was scared I was never going to get that strength back and um, that I'd have like one small arm and like one like bigger yeah. arm. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know what's uh, you know what I'm thinking about now is like, so is it perfectly, you know, like I see some people squat and, you know, some people like have hip shifts and stuff like when mm-hmm. they're coming like out of the bottom of the yeah. hole. Um, and it's not, I mean, obviously that's an issue, but. Um, when it comes to, you know, different body types and and whatnot, would you say like, I mean, not every single person is completely, you know, symmetrical. Yeah. Oh yeah. Um, right. Yeah. So definitely like, for example, my right calf is just so tight compared to my left. Mm -hmm. And then that causes a lot of shifting when I squat, Mm -hmm. um, or go below parallel. And I can see it when I watch myself Mm -hmm. and, um, but it depends. It depends on like that person's mobility. Um, yep. just like for women, their the cue angle of like their hips, like all those things. Mm-hmm. Uh, 
in addition to possibly some like joint deterioration that might be going on, like depending on how old they are, what they've been doing. Um, so yeah, like definitely we all have asymmetries. Um, mm-hmm. And it, I think a lot of it is a matter of like fixing what you can and then just being really cognizant to like not hurt yourself because of those. Yeah. I've almost like, <clears throat> I've tried like different ways of squatting. Like I've moved my squat stance like in and out. And at the end of the day, ultimately your squat stance isn't always going to be like the same as everybody, everyone else's yeah. obviously, yeah. you know, yeah. um, like, have you figured, like, have you messed with that at all? Like I always thought like your squat stance always had to be a certain, you know, way. Um, but eventually I just found out, you know, I have to put my body in a certain position when I set up, like just whatever's comfortable and you know, yeah. it, it's, you just got to do what's best for you. I mean, have you, yeah. have you felt that? Yeah, I'm definitely not mobile, like compared, especially other women. Like, I don't know why, but like the mobility just isn't there. And I remember a couple years ago, like thinking that I had like a normal squat stance, mm-hmm. but then over time that like my mobility was just like so bad. And then after I really focused on it a little bit, it naturally just changed my squat Mm -hmm. a little bit. So I think just playing with it until you figure out like what's best for you. Mm -hmm. Um, Do you squat wider or closer? Typically? I'm probably wider. Really? Yeah. I have issues like, I think one, cause like quad size, but like depth, I'm, you know, when competing and stuff, like I try and really, really make sure that I'm like going low because I'll, mm-hmm. you know, I think like most people, like you think you're going low mm-hmm. and then like, oh my God, I barely like, <laughs> <laughs> I'm passing. Exactly. I yeah. hear that. So what's your, what's your, now, now I'm thinking you, you were talking about your, your snatch earlier. So what's your best snatch? Like now, have you ever done any weightlifting meets? For the fun of yeah. it, or yeah. So last, not last winter, but the winter before. Um, so just a little like update. So after Invictus, I when I got stationed here in Connecticut, mm-hmm. I found Ocean State CrossFit, which is actually in Rhode Island, which mm-hmm. is only forty minutes away from me. But so I competed with them. I've been competing with them for the past two, three years. Mm-hmm. Um, and Ray Fleeser, he owns Ocean State CrossFit, and he a year and a half ago he put us through like a strength cycle for Wadapalooza and um we had like a Christmas like little local like gym competition and that was my best snatch at 190 um, oh wow holy cow yeah and it, let's it, go it feels, <laughs> it feels so long ago mm-hmm. and uh I, that was over my- a year ago yeah yeah wow. now it was like a year and a half ago and then it was crazy because that same day you know he was like max out snatch clean and jerk and you know everyone loves to do that so mm-hmm. um and then i i pr'd my clean and jerk too which was um 230 boom <laughs> yeah oh, let's go it was sick it was like an epic day i was just i remember like just being like that came out of nowhere i mean like the gym itself like they have such a good community like there was definitely adrenaline but it, it wasn't like i was at a sanctional or a regional or something like you know we were it was like dead of winter and like just on a saturday mm-hmm. so, um 
Yeah, I mean, I haven't, so talking about injuries, then um, my right wrist started to act up kind of after that, and um, I have something in my wrist called a carpal boss. Oh, so you had to get surgery? Um, kind of. Like, think of it, so it's basically a, a bony overgrowth. Okay. But, like, at the end of your finger bone that, mm. that connects to your wrist. So, it's a like a overuse like injury like so many crossfit injuries are but um i had to i was going pretty wide with my snatch grip and i mean it really helps me like i went from like 170 to 190 and i was like damn like mm -hmm. that's awesome <laughs> however mm -hmm. i think because i you know was snatching wider than i did in previous years my wrist wasn't used to that exact yeah load mm -hmm. um yeah i can so, feel it too when i wind right. my snatch grip yep yeah so oh you know we were lifting a lot and um over time like it just got worse and worse and last summer i got like a very minor procedure i wouldn't even call it surgery like they basically tried to shave down the bone mm -hmm. um and it it honestly didn't really help um and i did a couple so like i've only done maybe two weightlifting meets but i did a, a local weightlifting meet and i thought my wrist was okay but it wasn't um mm -hmm. but the silver lining to that meet was that i did find this olympic lifting like physical therapist like he he specialized in like helping olympic lifters so um he gave me some more wrist mobility and ankle mobility exercises that I have to do like pretty much every day. Um, but luckily at Wadapalooza this year and in Brazil, um, there wasn't a lot of heavy snatches. So I kind of got away with it this year. <laughs> yeah. So, I mean, if I can hit like 170, 175, which I have like, when we were getting ready for Wadapalooza, we did a workout with um, some pretty heavy snatches. And, like, if I can hit 170, 175, I'm pretty happy with myself. Um, and I've also moved in my my grip now because it doesn't hurt as much. So yeah. it's, it's all just, like, you know, figuring out what works for your body and, mm -hmm. like, what you can handle with, with uh, the workload. Like you're yeah, absolutely. After. I've always been – my snatching has always been much more snappy and much more comfortable with like a narrower grip. Uh, mm -hmm. I have no idea why, but, um, and then it's like literally everything you're describing is literally how I feel. But the second I move it out, it's like, yeah, I can do more, but my lockout mm -hmm. isn't as good. Um, mm -hmm. and it like hurts my wrists a little bit more. 100%. I feel that it's like, what the heck? And then obviously when you're training and you're trying to do that on a regular basis, it just doesn't it just it's just like I can't keep up with that. Then I have to end up always having to have to move my grip back in. And yep. yeah, I hear yep. that one hundred percent. So yeah. I guess um yeah, but no, I was just gonna say so continuing down that line of like best lifts, so you've snatched one ninety, clean and jerked two thirty, and now I wanna know so like what's your best back squat, front squat, like deadlift? <laughs> have you tested those lifts very often? Do you know what they are? Like I'm curious. Yeah. In the past year, I've tested them. Um, I've hit 300 for a back squat. Ooh. Um, 
so that that was exciting but like back squat was one of those things that like i feel like i never worked on yeah but it's like it's gone up and it's like one of those frustrating things where like mm-hmm when you don't work on something it's like getting better yeah right <laughs> but you don't really know why you're like exactly yeah happening um and then front squat my best i think was 260 um and then deadlift deadlift is not one of my strongest ones but probably 330 that's not bad at all though yeah it's so, kind of interesting um, like i mean if you're not really training it and you're in crossfit or you do weightlifting i mean your deadlift isn't really going to be that high i don't think unless you start training it yeah and oddly enough though like mm-hmm. that when i was talking about that strength cycle that we were on before i pr'd yeah both my olympic lifts we were doing a deadlift cycle and um so i think it really helped like with my just my pull off the ground yeah like, i'm i'm one of the lifts or mm-hmm. lifters that um i have issues getting under it like i can usually stand up anything but oh, wait, on the um, clean yeah yeah i'm yeah. the same way like does is it getting under the bar that freaks you out too yeah yeah that yeah. freaks me out too it's like i'm afraid i'm gonna bust my wrist like snatches don't freak me out but cleans yeah. for whatever reason yeah it freaks me out i think i've just seen like a little too many video I, yeah like yeah too many bad videos, videos of people busting their wrists and then yeah mm-hmm. yeah you're like oh my god like i don't want that to be me literally yeah have you ever tried yeah. moving your grip out i mean how narrow do you uh grip the bar on your cleans or whatever um i have tried moving my my grip out it's like <clears throat> one of the things that's kind of hard to remember though mm-hmm. you know yeah but actually after watching the games yeah was it last year and like katrin when she was clean and jerking she had a super wide clean grip and i was Mm -hmm. like hmm i was like that's probably like i mean it makes sense like i just feel like you can bail quicker and like yeah exactly yeah and you're not worried about yeah no it's funny you mention that because that's the exact way to think about it so it's like feel like moving my hands out more has given me more confidence in my clean because I know that it's not gonna like bury me or my elbows aren't gonna get pinned in my um like your knees. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Yeah. But yeah, I have like a hate love relationship with Olympic lifting. Like I feel like (laughs) I've always been like naturally strong but Mm -hmm. obviously um but (laughs) (laughs) but like honest like Honestly, I feel like I could be better um, if I really focused on it. Mm-hmm. But and it's like I do love lifting, but then when I do like a meet, I'm just like, man, this is this is too much. Like just on these lifts, you know. Like I'm like, it's fun when it's like thrown in there for a, a CrossFit competition, but when it's like that's all there is, <laughs> there's like nothing else. To, yeah, to save you. Um, but I think my favorite is like in competitions when it's kind of heavy. It's not like a one rep max, but it's it's like ninety eighty five percent or something like that. Right, right. Like it's not quite barbell cycling, <clears throat> mm-hmm. but it's not a one rep max. But like you just gotta. It's like kind of heavy, and you just have to like keep going. Like those are. It's like weird. It's like that's what my favorite. Is. Mm-hmm. Do you think um, you could do weightlifting? Just out of curiosity, uh, like train it full time. I obviously don't see why you would though. There's no money in weightlifting. I mean, not that's not why yeah. you should do it, but like, it's yeah. just yeah. 
Because you're so um, good at CrossFit, why would you? Why, if I had to pick between being really good at weightlifting and CrossFit, honestly, I don't know what I'd pick. pick you know? Yeah. I don't. Yeah, like I've definitely considered it, but one, I hate um, changing how I like or restricting my food um, mm-hmm. to make weight. Like that stresses yeah. me out. And oh, yeah. with CrossFit, I just feel like. You know, as long as your stomach doesn't hurt and you're not going to vomit, mm-hmm. like, and you have enough food, you're fine. But to show up somewhere and, like, weigh in and, like, that's a whole other aspect yeah. of the competition that just, like, sucks. To turn off, <laughs> yeah. Um, But I've had super strong teammates. Like, my current teammate, we were at Wild Pools together. Mm-hmm. If you think I'm strong, like, <laughs> she's so much stronger i'm like girl like we can't even like share the same bar anymore she's so strong like she i think she's cleaned 260 damn now. And, um, i mean she's done like i think for three reps she's done like 225 like oh shit dirt, you know and then she's she's snatched 200 i think she's like going for 205 now maybe she snatched 205 but i think she could snatch like 220 Mm -hmm. i would say but she's um i mean she's probably you know she's a bit like she's not a bit but like she's in a different weight class than me she's heavier but like Mm -hmm. you know she's still amazing at crossfit like she you know so i i like sometimes i'm just like yeah no i shouldn't weight lift because because i just i i am around a lot of like super strong girls and i'm mm-hmm. like you think you're strong but yeah then, but then you, you put yourself in a hole and then you put it into perspective and you look at everyone else that's around you and you're like man yeah. but i mean when you think of like everyone else i mean you've you've really done like a lot but it but it's a lot it's, a, it's so easy to just put yourself in a context and like almost belittle yourself because you're like your own worst enemy yeah. Um, when it comes to things like that. So what, so what are your goals and like aspirations now for the sport, yeah. you know, going forward? Question. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'm supposed to move to Hawaii actually what? in May. Yeah. So lucky. Well, I'm so jealous. Yeah. It'll, it'll be cool. Um, and that's actually why a big reason I went to start the YouTube channel mm-hmm. was because I'm like, I just want to document being in Hawaii and like, doing cool things yeah um no you've got a lot to talk about freaking a it's intriguing as hell uh thanks Mm -hmm. um but and then so when i i competed in brazil after wadapalooza as an individual and that was just such an eye-opening experience because i was like man i was kind of like almost pissed at myself because i was like scared to go individual and just like you know, really not like super confident in myself, honestly, because I've always done team stuff. Mm-hmm. And and then I did individual and I loved it. And I'm like, fuck me up. Like, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like, damn it. Like, mm-hmm. like, cause you, it just like pushes you and you're like, okay, like, we gotta like see what's here and like see what you can do as an individual. Mm-hmm. And, um, and so, I mean, the thing, the whole sanctional thing, I was definitely sad about because, um, like in two thousand, what was it, like eighteen, Ocean yep. State, we got um we got eighth place, 
technically seventh place because one of the teams caught positive for steroids but um <laughs> but like you know so we were kind of on the cusp of trying to qualify in the northeast region and then sanctionals happen and so now like i'm kind of i'm a lot happier that i don't have to be in a specific location with a team like i can i can still compete with a team if i want but you know depending on the competition most likely you know i don't have to be in the same place so i do want to keep competing like with ocean state um or with friends from invictus i still know a bunch of people there um but i would still like to to kind of see what I can do individually and um and like when I'm out in Hawaii I'm gonna probably start at CrossFit 808. Mm-hmm. Um, You've already been and, doing tons of research I'm sure. Yeah yeah I've been <laughs> I've been there before. Wait like, is that the one that's outside because I know there's a really sick CrossFit place outside in Hawaii. Yeah, is it there? Is that the one? No that's CrossFit Kailua. Okay. Um, so, and I'll probably check that place out too but um. Be close to it? Yeah, yeah, because I I want to live in Kailua, so, um, but I, you know you kind of have to feel out like different owners uh-huh. and like vibes and yeah, yeah I know what you're saying you got to be able to vibe with the people 100 percent that's I, I feel that yeah yeah but um like 808 they they're probably the most competitive gym on the island uh they used to have a team back when it was six person teams um. So, like, you know, if the environment there is really good, I'll probably stay there. But I've considered, like, transitioning to just doing, like, individual individual programming, like, having someone program for me, Mm -hmm. like, just for my weakness, just for, like, a couple months. I've never done that. And when I was in Brazil, like a couple of the girls I was competing with, like they all had individualized programming and I'm like, did you, do you have your own coach? Um, I mean, Ray Fleeser, like he's my teammate and Mm -hmm. he's, he's a coach for the entire gym. Mm -hmm. Um, but I wouldn't say like, I have like a, like my, like a set person who's like, do this, 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 and this. Yeah. 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 Like he, I mean, he, he has really great, programming for class Mm -hmm. and he makes us actually all do class programming so Mm -hmm. um and like I like it because it's not like three hours long like I don't have like three hours yeah (laughs) so um you know I like I like the one lift the one metcon and then you know if I'm at work and like because usually I'll do that after work, but like if I'm at work and I want to do a run or a swim or um, like a squat session, then like I'll do that, but it's not the regular. Like normally I, I just do like one hour, an hour and a half of programming. Um, but when I move out to Hawaii, like I just don't know like if how, like what kind of environment in terms of like competitions out there i think 808 does like comp train yeah um programming so Mm -hmm. do you think there's the best program to be doing for yourself um not really i mean so i did invictus for a long time Mm -hmm. um and they have a lot of great like they have like endurance programming and like Mm -hmm. 
um, you know, Olympic lifting and gymnastics and stuff. I think the best programming is just what you need to work on. Yeah. Because you can know, you can figure out what your weaknesses are. Or after training for a while, you're like, man, I'm not as good at at this as I could be, you know. And then it's like, all right, let me spend some time there. Yeah, yeah. Mm -hmm. What programs have you done? Me? So, I mean, I'm a weightlifter. I haven't really delved into CrossFit too much, but... um. Basically, mm-hmm. I'll just block out my training. Um, I use uh, Juggernaut actually a lot. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. But I won't do all of their. <clears throat> I won't do all of their. Um, their programming, like per se, one hundred percent, like true and true and through. Um, mm-hmm. But I'll just basically take it and uh, like I can't back squat multiple times in a week. I just can't handle a lot of frequency in my training, um, mm-hmm. just because my experience when I up the frequency of my squatting like on a weekly basis more than one or two times a week like that's when I've gotten injured in the past so I don't want to go back to that you know but um (laughs) but yeah so I'll just periodize I'll just block off my training I'd be like okay I'm gonna um spend my time working within this rep range and try to increase uh you know grow the muscle here and then I'll spend a certain block of training just trying to get stronger in my legs and then I'll go through a, a phase of training where I'm trying to include, um, increase my Olympic Olympic lifts. So, cause like yeah. I mean, that's my sport. But actually, this this year I'm doing super total. It's the year of the super total, baby. Oh. Yeah. Nice. Yeah. So that's that's been a ride. But um, yeah. I mean, have you ever just personalized or like experimented with your own programming, like on your I'll own? Usually, yeah. Like I'll usually add on stuff. Mm-hmm. So like Ray you know, I'll have done stuff like Monday through Friday. And then I usually would go up on the weekends and we'd have like a pretty intense session Saturday. Mm-hmm. Um, usually I'll take like Friday off and then Sunday, like I have access to a gym in Connecticut. Mm-hmm. Um, so like, yeah. So most days I'm in Connecticut, like weekdays and mm-hmm. then I'll go up to Rhode Island. And then on Sundays, like if I have the gyms myself, like I'll usually program just like, muscle ups and like you know just like crap like crap that i'm bad at and then Mm -hmm. just like how are you training oh sorry i was just gonna say how are you training in this coronavirus mess yeah that's (laughs) uh it's been really interesting so at home i have a weight vest dumbbells Mm -hmm. we have a bench um we have, <laughs> I do have a barbell, um, and a squat rack, but like the squat rack isn't set up. Um, so I've been mainly doing a lot of weighted vest pull-ups, running, um, dumbbell stuff. However, like the real problem we have is we don't have like flat ground. Like I need like, mm-hmm. a yeah, place. that's always hard. Yeah. yeah. So I'm actually probably going to put stuff in my car and then go on base and fuck cuz there's like random pull up bars around base so, That's so i'm going to cool. yeah i'm going to try and find like a good bar to try and do like <laughs> bars and then like bring a barbell out there but it's a lot of strict stuff i've been doing like a lot of strict pull ups like weighted pull ups um i need to do more strict handstand push ups um how many how many strict pull ups can you do in a row I've done 20. Oh my God. You can do more pull-ups than me. Yeah. (laughs) That's something, I don't know. I really like strict pull-ups. And it's something like with CrossFit, 
I, I don't really focus on that either. That's like one of those things where I'm like, okay, it's just like, I think because of all the upper body strength you need for like legless rope climbs and muscle ups, like it just, it really just, your upper body strength is just really good and, mm-hmm. um, and your grip strength. But I don't know, this is going to be really interesting with the coronavirus. Um, we did have like our base gym open for a little bit and mm-hmm. then they they closed it and they closed it wow. um, which like i honestly think they should have closed it earlier yeah um, i feel like that everything honestly should have like closed down much sooner than all this because i remember at work they're like when before i even started working remotely they were like yeah we're not sending anyone home in this building until one person gets it i'm like are you serious <laughs> i was like right I'm like, yeah, okay, when it gets extremely bad, that's when we'll shut things down. When it's too late, we'll shut things down, you know? Yeah, it's kind of like, okay, we'll wait till one person gets it, and then potentially... <laughs> Everyone has it, yeah. Get it. yeah. Yeah, and then, like, the whole building needs to be disinfected. <laughs> like, yeah, I know, it just doesn't make any sense. I don't know. But so, what What are your thoughts on that? Like, when do you think all this is going to end? Because so, I was browsing through some of your content, and I saw that you were, you were talking about it, you know, you were talking about um, misinformation... Um, yeah. and whatnot. I know you feel yeah. very strongly about it. Let it rip. Yeah. Um, yeah. So I think it's going to take a couple months for this. I'm hoping mm-hmm. three, three or four months. Um, I feel like I've been seeing some articles saying like six months and I'm like, Oh God, that's, that's a long time, but you know, we're going to reach a point. I don't think we've peaked yet in terms of that's crazy. Cases. Yeah. Cases mm-hmm. or deaths. I'm anticipating mid-April is probably when we're going to peak. And then, um, you know, we're, we'll come down from that. But then whenever they loosen up the social distancing restrictions, like we're going to have another bump in cases. Mm-hmm. And then so it, it is hard to to really say, like, how quickly this is it's, it's going to be a lot of like, it's going to be hard. It's going to be a lot of really sad like cases. And, um, mm-hmm. do you think and, it's, I know obviously it's, it's terrible, but like, uh, you know, I mean, from what I've seen, just like the very simply put things, I'm very skeptical of everything I've been reading. I don't know what to make uh-huh. of all of it. I don't know how to feel about any of it. I'm yeah. just kind of like, you know, the world's still turning. So I'm like, okay, I guess I'm still going uh i guess um but yeah do you think it's something that everyone i mean obviously everyone needs to be concerned with it um because people say you know it it's more targeted towards those with pre-existing medical conditions on on people that are Mm -hmm. older is that necessarily true you think or do you think there just aren't enough people that have it for us to you know make that assumption or um, no, I think that's true. Like the more comorbidities you have, like mm-hmm. let's say you have asthma, diabetes, um, liver injury, like some, you know, anything really that's um, affecting your your organs. If you contract like a bad infection, it's it's harder for you to to fight that infection. Um, and I think a problem is like with this whole thing is everyone's like oh well we don't have enough ventilators which is true we don't have enough ventilators but i think that public is downplaying like how bad being on a ventilator is like and i think the healthcare community we know 
if you're on a ventilator, that means you're in the intensive care unit and you're kind of on your, your deathbed. Like it, you are paralyzed. Like mm-hmm. the machine is breathing for you. Like yep. you are, you are at the, the brink of death and mm-hmm. that's, and like, that's extremely scary. Um, and then I, I just want to like tell people like you just don't want to get to that point like the the ventilator <laughs> point. Mm-hmm. Um, so I feel like people are kind of thinking of it as masks like oh well we just need to make more ventilators. I'm like we need to prevent people to from getting to a bunch of us needing ventilators like that's yeah. bad because in addition to the ventilator you need a nurse like watching you like one on one or an ICU nurse for two patients mm. maximum. Like it, it requires a lot of manpower and a lot of um, diligence to like take care of that patient on the ventilator. Mm-hmm. Um, so, I mean, I think, I think cause in my background and like I have, you know, all my friends, like a lot of us, like we're all doctors. So I think I don't, I, I haven't questioned it really at all i i think it's as bad as they say it is i think it's one of those things where we can't see it like this is a threat that is not visual to us yeah that's what it seems like i mean even me personally i feel like even just from googling stuff i mean i think the answers are it seems like they're all in the medical journals or you know this is Mm -hmm. definitely one for the experts like i mean it's not something that you can just Google through and be like, okay, is, is this what it's going to be? You know? Yeah. Yeah. One really cool thing that's come of all of this is the collaboration Mm -hmm. efforts. Um, like being a part of certain Facebook groups of like, there's, I'm part of this like Facebook group. That's like, just, just for talking about Mm COVID-19 and to see, just so many doctors just sharing what they know, what they think, their experiences at their hospitals, like the trends that they're seeing, like that's like the the information sharing that we've always needed that like, and then like, for example, journal access. Mm-hmm. Usually you have to have a subscription to a journal or be part of a, a school or institution to get access to like certain journal articles. And like, sometimes it's a pain because like, you yep. don't have that situation, but a lot of these COVID-19 articles, like things that are coming out, like they're all free right now. So mm-hmm. to encourage that collaboration and I'm like, this is how it should be all the time. Like, so we can reach these like truths and we can save lives like quicker and like just be more efficient with how we communicate instead of this like old school, like, well, you got to publish and then you got to yeah, like, right subscribe the informa- um, yeah the thoughts and the ideas are out there let's come up with something you know yeah and mm-hmm. this this is just something that like i feel like no one i mean i actually you know bill gates he did predict this back in really 2015. yeah if you find this if you google like I have to bill look gates, that up yeah ted talk from like i think it was 2015 and like pandemic probably he predicted that something like this i think he thought it would be more the flu um but he predicted that there would be a global pandemic like this that would just take out um so many of our resources and healthcare systems Mm -hmm. and um yeah it's hitting us hard on so many levels financially just 
socially and it's unbelievable. And and here's a bug that I want to try and squash here or at least try to get a little bit of a grip on is mm-hmm. um I was running back from whatever. I was running back with someone the other day and they said uh that this whole virus manifested when a person ate a bat. Is that yeah. true? Is that for real? Um I mean, I think they're Yes, there's truth to that, that eating or somehow contracting this oh virus God. from an exotic animal. Mm-hmm. Um, that That's how a lot of viruses like Ebola, MERS, like we, we contracted it from like some monkey or something. Oh like, my God. Yeah. So People just eat this stuff. Like that blows my mind. Like <laughs> if it was a bat, like a bat is a rat with wings essentially and the thing looks freaking disgusting and the idea that someone would look at that thing and they're like i want to eat that yeah like unless for whatever reason it tastes really good i don't know i mean hey maybe it tastes good to them whatever whatever floats your boat man yeah i mean it, it is hard to figure out these like zoonotic viruses like sometimes i think if like a pig or something ate something and then we ate that pig like yeah there there's a lot of different mechanisms that these pathogens can evolve like really quickly Mm -hmm. um but yeah from what i've seen like i think that is somewhat accurate i'm not like that's insane i thought that just sounded like that sounded just like some i thought it was a joke i'm like that's a it's like that's a interesting joke like are you serious and he's like no i'm serious i'm like all right. There's, there's actually, I'll try and find it for you. Um, mm-hmm. This other journal article from like, I think it was like 2007 when they were talking about the original SARS virus. And mm-hmm. they, there's like a little sentence in there that says um, the, the practice of eating exotic animals is like a, um, it's like a brewing problem. Like it's a problem waiting to happen for another like potential virus to mm-hmm. take out a large majority of the population or something wow. like that. So I'll, I'll try and find that for you, but it's crazy to look back and be like, okay, like we had some clues. Um, but I feel like we, you know, there's no way to predict the exact timing. Yeah. Of this, um, like nothing like this has ever happened in the history of our country. Right. And I think this is really going to define, um, I mean, I think they're like babies born after this or during this are going to, I read some article that was like, they're going to be called generation C. Like, like <laughs> Oh my God. Like generation world, COVID. Yeah. Like our world's going to change so much after this, that like these kids, they're going to, they're only going to know life like after COVID and, um, I mean, it, it is going to, it's going to change some things for the better. I think like telemedicine, hopefully some decreased licensing requirements across states for medical professionals. Um, mm-hmm. but I think it's also going to just change like our behaviors. Like when we travel, like, are we going to see more Americans just with masks all the time, you know, um, like little kind of like little things and big things and like our economy like i think a lot of businesses they they try and think of like recession proof or recession like safe ways but it's like this was like 
I mean, <laughs> like, I don't know how you could really like predict that your business would have to go through people yeah, just working. a pandemic, yeah, <laughs> right. Um, and just like not coming in contact with each other, like, no, this is gonna so, change a lot. It's really gonna change the landscape of so many things. Well, anywho, yeah. Okay, so one final question here. I don't want to take up too much of your time. Actually, I would like to do that, but I'm not going to. Um, so for the audience here, for whoever's left listening, um, what is like your best advice to women trying to get like started in CrossFit who feel like, you know, maybe this isn't a good idea? Like, what, what would you tell those people, you know? Yeah, um, I think... In particular. If- Right. Specifically for CrossFit, I think if you want to pursue it, like you have to be doing it for the right reasons and for, for yourself. Um, I think it's just at the end of the day, it's like what your goals are and and what you want out of it. Um, I think if it's, I don't know, I think it depends on like what their train of thought is. Like if it's to, to lose a ton of weight, um, I don't know if CrossFit's the best thing ever. Yeah, for right. That mm-hmm. Because it will definitely change your body, but mm-hmm. I don't. It. De- I mean, it depends on the person, but um, you know, I don't know. Like, it. I think if you really want to pursue CrossFit for the competitive aspect, then um, you should be doing it for yourself because it is insanely hard. And if if it's for a coach or a family member or like you know, a friend, like that, that will certainly help a little bit, but it, if you want to truly like stick with competitive CrossFit, like you're going to question yourself so much, like every day, your first big competition, your first local competition. Um, it's a, it's a really big growing experience. So I think you just have to be really like true to yourself and your own goals. Mm -hmm. Okay. Um, Yeah. Oh, hell yeah. (laughs) Sweet. Well, thank you so much um, for doing this and hopping on this with me. Um, I've got nothing else for you here. I wrote down a whole list of questions. Actually, there are a couple things I wanted to ask you, but maybe we can do it another time. But um, thanks again so much for doing this. I'm going to stop the recording here. And uh, thanks again, Dr. Edgar. Yeah, Yeah, thank you. Do I gotta scream like I did every day when I was a troubled teen, huh? Do you wanna know my past and see every single score know what they mean, huh? 17, running up in Mickey D's, begging for a double cheese, huh? Singing, I don't wanna grow up, don't nobody like you when he's 23, ah. Came from nothing but a fucking unsupportive father I don't ever see, ah. Had to watch a crooked jury put my brother in a penitentiary, ah. Never fitting, criticism made me the man I couldn't be, I'm reminiscing on when life was different, spending every day at Chuck E. Cheese, ah. Run away, try to find a summer day 
What is love? Love is pain. Love is butterflies and stomach aches. Love is looking out a window pane. Tears dripping, looking like you in the rain. For someone you don't even know, but for somebody you may never see again. I, I am only alive once. And I'ma die when God wants. So fill the sky with diamonds. Cause that's how it's gonna look when I'm gone. Had a vision as a kid that one day I would change the world with my song. Several years have passed and now that vision came to life. That was a fucking Down. I have an announcement. I want to make a toast to my man right here. When I first met you, you were just a kid with a dream. Now look at you. Sold out shows across the country. Here's to you. Cheers. Sometimes I don't wanna fucking wake up. Wait. Yeah. Yeah. All they wanna do is bring me down. And all the things I went through as I came up. All the fucking reasons why I run this town. From porches and swim like it's all my best. Already cause Uncle Sam they get paid yet. Mom and them bitchin' about the swim.